Welcome to the Keeping Kids Safe podcast. My name is Karen Cohn. I am the co-founder of the Zach Foundation for Children's Safety. This is your number one resource for all things related to your child's emotional, physical, and social well-being. Now I'd like to introduce my co-host and my friend, the executive director of the Zach Foundation for Children's Safety, Megan Ferraro. Hi, Megan. Hi, Karen. Good morning. Hi, Megan. Good morning. How are you today? I'm great. Back from snowy Colorado and uh, ready to hit the ground running. I know. I can't believe that I actually missed that. I'm a little (laughs) disappointed because I would have liked to to have seen a major snowstorm. Yes, it was so beautiful. It delayed me by about a day in getting home, but it was so nice to have a little extra time at the conference and to see such a beautiful winter wonderland. I know. Yeah. Especially because we haven't had any snow here. I know. The Northeast has been, has had nothing. And I'm hearing rumblings that, that not this weekend, but next weekend where we might get a snowstorm, but I don't, I'm not sure how likely that is. Right. Yeah. It's probably early. And so for those of you that don't know, Karen and I just got back from the National Drowning Prevention Alliance conference that was held in Colorado Springs last week. And we had such a great few days um, sharing all about the work we've been doing and connecting with our partners in drowning prevention. And also for those of you who don't know, that is the National Water Safety Conference that is held annually in the U.S. And so it moves around the country. So this was the first time that we had the opportunity to go to Colorado Springs for it. And it was really a great location for the conference. It was, it was so beautiful and the property was large. So there was plenty of space for all the different sessions that were being held. It was held jointly for the first time with the um, aquatics industry conference, which is held annually. So they've decided to join the AOAP conference with the NDPA conference. So they're co-located now, which is a great opportunity for us to reach more partners and more individuals in the aquatic space. Yes. And definitely just to raise awareness within the industry for, uh, for drowning prevention as well, which is so important. Absolutely. So Karen, you did a great job on your session on the whole community approach and how the Zach Foundation works to engage stakeholders. Do you want to share a little bit about that and about some of the conversations you had afterwards? Sure. I have given this presentation before and not exactly the same exact one because as I give it, I sort of add to it and update it as things evolve with our work. And so I talked about how the, I always talk about, I give a background about how the foundation started. And then I talk through our Zach camps and then how important we thought it was to really add our learn to swim programming and our partnership with the American Red Cross and their centennial program. And then more importantly, how we decided that it was most important in order to address the crisis of drowning in communities to engage stakeholders within communities to come together and talk in a, we began it as um, having them talk in a round table fashion where we asked all of anyone who would have any 
influence um, or engagement for drowning prevention to be a part of and be included school administrators, aquatic schools, parks and recs departments, elected officials, local hospitals, and really began talking about what it is that is being done within communities and what can be done. And we began this in 2019 during uh, National Water Safety Month, which is the month of May. And we have expanded that. And now it's really exciting to see that California is doing their own statewide California Water Safety Coalition, which we've had the opportunity to be a part of because of the great work, Megan, that you were doing for the National Water Safety Action Plan. And now we're going to expand that hopefully in Texas and New Jersey as well. And while, you know, continuing some of the work that we've already been doing. So it's exciting to see. And then how this all fits into the U.S. National Water Safety Action Plan that you have worked so tirelessly on um, and you've spent so much time and effort working on that. And I had the opportunity to come in and be a part of a small, small part of that this past year. And it's just the progress in this space is incredible. It is. It's so exciting to see even just, you know, the way everyone comes to the table to collaborate. And I think that was something that, you know, was reflected in all the questions that were asked during the session that you that you did and the people that were hanging around afterwards wanting to learn more about what we're doing, how to bring our programs to their community. So that was really exciting and it felt really affirming, right? To to hear that level of engagement was exciting. Yeah, it was so exciting to have some of the stakeholders in California come and they were telling us about some of the programming that they had created to address some of the issues within their communities. And it's so exciting to hear about that work and even how difficult it was to get that work going, but yet um, they persisted and have successfully created a program, but really want to expand it and trying to figure out how to do that. So really great conversations and then hopefully potential for some partnerships for the Zach Foundation in the near future. So hopefully we'll be able to um, have some meetings and then talk about that publicly in the future. Yeah, absolutely. It's exciting. And then I did, um, along with my some of my colleagues from the National Action Plan, a session regarding an update on the National Action Plan. And then I presented on the work we're doing in California, just to really connect the dots between what's happening on that national level and what is being done in California. And there were a lot of questions about how we went about that work. And obviously our amazing stakeholders in this space are what made the work possible. And we're not going to see that in every state, right? The level of engagement in California is so high, Um, but we're hoping to help encourage and to replicate what we've seen to be a successful strategy where, where it will work. Yeah, absolutely. And we're already seeing that in the state of Texas. Mm -hmm. They're very engaged stakeholders there as well. So, yeah, it was great. We were able to have a couple of meetings with our Texas stakeholders while um, while we were out there. We had a kind of an introductory meeting with Texas leadership, which was so exciting to see. And then we did a little happy hour picture um, one night after 
at the end of the day, while everyone was in the, the conference floor together, looking at everyone's, you know, displays and learning more about what programming they're go- they're each doing, we were able to pull all the Texas stakeholders together and just thank them for their, you know, commitment. And it was a pretty large group, I would say around 30 people were there from the state of Texas. And it was great to see that excitement. Yeah. It's really come a long way since we first participated in this National Water Safety Conference. And it's really exciting to see the evolution and the growth in this space and um, really starting to see some changes. Yeah, it's exciting. So we hope to, in the future, really see some of the numbers coming down to reflect that also. Right. That's the ultimate goal. And we have these additional factors that make it not so easy to figure those numbers out, right? We have population growth. We have, you know, natural disasters that are affecting our drowning numbers more so now than ever before. Um, So not only are we having to account for that in our annual drowning numbers, but we're also having to shift our strategy as drowning prevention. I don't know if I would call us experts, but we're having to include you know, messaging related to how to stay safe if your area should become flooded. Um, and that's a shift for us in drowning prevention. So it, you know, means a lot of, a lot of um, kind of working through those numbers as, as they're reported each year. Yes. And even gathering the data so that we can adjust our work to address that. Yeah, absolutely. So what is new in your world? What's up with your kids? Anything you're like in the thick of college season with Henry and probably shifting gears towards preparing Sydney for that. So is there any, any news, anything new to report? Lots of news, but first, before I get into that, I also just wanted to do a shout out. Um, We have the California Water Safety Coalition Summit coming up. And there was a big announcement that we just found out late yesterday. This morning I found, I didn't, well, maybe you were opening your email sooner than I was. Very exciting. Tell us. So we're happy to announce that um, we are going to have a leader, leader, an international leader in global drowning prevention, Justin Scar from Australia, who is going to be the keynote for the California summit. And so that is, and he's going to act, he's going to be there uh, in person, which is even more exciting. And um, I had the opportunity to work with him a little bit on the global drowning prevention day uh, last summer virtually. And so I'm excited to meet him in person. And I think you had done some work with him as well. Yes, I have. I've worked with him over the years, more so now than than previously, but he was helpful to us in figuring out how to kind of get things started with the National Water Safety Action Plan. Um, he's been, as Karen said, a leader in this space for a long time. And it's very validating that he's coming out to California. And I know it's due in large part to his work and collaboration with Will Kuhn, um, who's one of our leaders in California. 
uh, but is based in Australia right now. And we're just really excited. So if you find yourself wanting to come to a water safety conference, it will be held April 25th and 26th in San Diego, California. And you can visit cawatersafety.org to register and get all the additional information that you might need. You can also look at our social media channels. We're sharing um, relevant and updated information related to the summit. So um, you'll not only get to see Karen and myself and lots of other partners in drowning prevention, but to meet Justin Scar in person is going to be pretty exciting. Yes. And also before we get to our kids and what they're up to, the other thing we want to talk about was just our SAC camps that we're hoping to be holding this year. Exciting that we are going to have a Zach camp in Greenwich, Connecticut again, and uh, some other areas throughout the country that we haven't been able to have them in. So uh, that's exciting. It is. We've been talking with all the partners from around the country. We'll be in a couple of different locations in New Jersey, which we're excited about. Um, as you've heard us talk about over the last year, the drowning rates in New Jersey have spiked over the last year. Um, and we haven't been able to be running programming in New Jersey since 2019. So we're excited about not only exploring the idea of bringing a state-based water safety coalition to New Jersey, but to be running in-person programming as well is really exciting. Um, we'll be in Chicago, which we're looking forward to, um, and a couple of other locations as well. So we, we'll probably have around seven or eight Zach camps this year. And as much as we want to kind of grow more quickly and meet as many of the partners that even over the last week that have reached out to say, is there a way we can bring a Zach camp to our community? We're trying to start back slow and and purposeful so that we're sure that we're able to run our programming in the way that's important to us. So we're excited about that. It's going to be fun to be back on the road and to have Zach camps back in full swing. Yeah, definitely. You know, we just want to make sure that in each community that we do go into that we're being impactful and thoughtful about our work as we are coming back out of not having camps for so long and thinking through our strategy and really bringing it to, um, you know, bringing it in a way that's, you know, more thoughtful. So true. Um, so we're excited and we hope that you'll follow along with our journey on all of our programming efforts and whether it's our Zach camp programming or, you know, state-based programming that we're doing in California and Texas and New Jersey this year, our local coalitions that we're working on in Chicago and Central Texas and beyond. Um, and then, of course, our work on the National Water Safety Action Plan, which we hope will be launched um, late spring, early summer this year. We're really excited about that and proud of all the work we've put into that. Yeah. And the other exciting thing about the Zach Camp is we're working on updating some of the curriculum as well. So lots happening. Yeah, very true. Lots happening, lots of excitement. I know my kids are asking if they can come back to Zach camp this year. They attended their first Zach camp last summer in Stamford, Connecticut, and they had the best time. They had so much fun and they learned a lot. So it was a great way for them to reinforce their water safety knowledge and and meet new kids and, and kind of experience that camp-based programming was great for them. 
Yes. And with my older kids, um, with Henry being certified as a lifeguard and having such a great experience for the last two summers, now my 15-year-old who's about to turn 16, Sydney, is looking to get certified with a friend of hers. And they're also looking to create some dry land water safety programming for some local kids that they work with through their high school, which is also really great. Oh, that's awesome. Be so amazing to have another lifeguard in the in the area, right? <laughs> We're always in need of them. I know. I know. So I'm working on getting her certified and her friend certified and then also seeing how we can be helpful in working through some of this community engagement work that she's looking to be a part of or apply for. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And then the personal news is that my son, Henry is going to be playing football at U Chicago in the fall. And so that just happened. He received his official acceptance last Friday. And so really exciting. That is so exciting. You guys must be relieved (laughs) and excited. It's one of your favorite places to visit, I know. So what better place for him to land than Chicago? I mean, other than your backyard, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. No, he he definitely doesn't want to be here to go to college. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's really exciting. I'm so happy for him. He's worked really hard. It's been a long road and school had a celebration yesterday morning for all the college bound athletes. And that was really nice. They had all of their coaches there and families and um, college counseling. It was just a really exciting morning for the kids. That's so great. What an incredible experience he's had in, in kind of figuring out this path for himself. It's certainly been eye-opening for me as a mom of four younger kids about what this process will be like for me. I have some time, but not a lot. <laughs> I know you. Bl- that's the thing. That was like the common theme with all the parents. Like, I can't believe they've been together since kindergarten and you blink your eyes and here we are. Yeah. Wow. Exciting. <laughs> The days are long, but the years are short. <laughs> so true. The, no truer statement. <laughs> no, truer words have never been spoken, especially right now as the Ferraro family recovers from another round of viruses running through the household. Right, right. I know. And um, not and, good. I feel like we're past that. I know. That's great. That's a good space to be in. And what about Jenna? She is finishing up this year. What is, is she graduating from college this year? So yes, we have two graduations. So she's finishing up her thesis and she um, already got some feedback from her advisor and her professors. And so she's making some changes and she still will not share it with us. So there you go. Exciting. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so she's working through that and it's due in about two weeks. So she's going to feel very relieved once that is submitted. Yes. And she's looking forward to some spring break 
travel with her friends and some post-graduation travel as well. That's great. Yeah. Awesome. And then you'll have Sydney at home, keeping you guys busy. Yeah. Sydney's really looking forward to having all the focus on her. <laughs> all the parental focus right on Sydney. <laughs> Laser focused. <laughs> She's actually going to be looking to go to college a year early. <laughs> That's funny. Get me out of here. <laughs> I'm sure there will be a part of her that loves the fact that she has all of your attention as well. I mean, you know, the youngest always seems to just feel like they need that. Well, she's also very sentimental. And so she's going to miss her brother. I'm sure. Well, luckily, Chicago is easy to get to. And you have lots of excuses to be there. Football games, visiting family, Zach Foundation work. So you'll, I'm sure I'm sure you guys will be seeing more of him than, than uh, you would otherwise. Yeah, he has to go to school really early. Oh, like, when does he go? Well, we think August 12th or around there. Okay. And then, I mean, it's kind of a good thing that he's actually there for about a month or six weeks before school even starts because they're on a quarter system. Mm. So they start later and then football season will actually be over with several weeks left in the quarter. And so it's actually good because then he has time to really focus on schoolwork. Yeah. That is good. That's a nice the way that they do. It is really great there. So it makes it for a better balance as far as his time management goes. It's going to be definitely challenging, but I would guess, especially so for student athletes, that's great. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. And they have a lot of support for them also where they really try and help them as freshmen to figure that out. That's great. Yeah. Awesome. Through it. Yeah. Well, that's all exciting news from your household. Yeah. And how about now that everyone's feeling a little bit better, what yes. is the spring and summer looking like for you all? Yeah. Lots of little league, which I love. So um, we'll be going to lots of little league baseball games and school baseball games. Um, and Millie, I mean, she does everything. So I think we'll just continue our circuit between field hockey and soccer and dance and Girl Scouts. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think it'll be a busy summer. Teddy, or busy spring rather. Teddy hasn't been playing a winter sport. Um, so he's really excited to get back into playing sports. And he'll, he's, this is his first year um, playing traditional baseball. He's been playing t-ball or um, something they call quick pitch in our area um, which is a new a new approach to baseball for little kids and so this will be his first year playing like an actual baseball game which will be so fun for him exciting yeah he's so, like yeah i'm not familiar with quick pitch quick pitch is i i think it's a pretty new program and i don't know if it's specific to our area or if it's growing, but it's a way to keep the little kids in the t-ball program really active. So instead of playing a t-ball game, they do stations to keep everyone moving. So there's a pitching station, a fielding station. And so every practice and game sort of looks like that. So they have like, I think it's six stations that they break the two teams into and they, they do the stations and then they take about like 15 to 20 minutes to play a game. Um, and so that way those kids are all moving the entire time they're there really understanding the fundamentals, I guess, of, of throwing or catching or batting. Um, 
so it'll be interesting to see how that translates into a traditional little league environment, right? So the way it works once you hit kindergarten in our area is you either have a machine pitch or a coach pitch. So either the machine or the coach will pitch to the kids. Um, so it's a, it'll be so interesting to see how that goes for him. Yeah. And I would imagine it would be so much better too, for their, you know, to keep their attention too. To keep their attention. And I think to keep kids in the sport, um, you know, I think, I don't know when kids start making the move from baseball to lacrosse, but I would, um, I would guess a big part of that is that baseball can be a little boring. Um, if you don't, if you don't have a natural love for it, or if you have a short attention span, you're, there's a lot of time that you're just sitting on the bench, like waiting for your turn. Um, so I think this is a way to overcome some of that and keep kids more engaged and understanding the game a little bit more. So fun. Yeah. So it'll be good to see. And Teddy's spent his life at the little league field watching his brother play. So I think it's going to be really fun for him to have the opportunity to do that. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. So it'll be a a busy, a busy spring, both work-wise and personally. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to it. And, um, Thanks everyone for tuning in today. If you would please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast, we would really appreciate it. Yes, thank you. And happy spring, almost. Almost. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Karen. Okay, bye.